Hi, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Uh, again, a podcast we studied the scriptures together. Uh, this week, we want to do a, a special podcast. I've been wanting to do this one. Um, it actually fit into this month and the, the special occasions going on for this month. Uh, but everyone knows that uh, I believe it's tomorrow, the 14th. Yes, um, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, so happy Valentine's Day to everyone listening. Um, you know, I wanted to discuss, you know, great love stories of the Bible. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a guy I like, you know, I like sports, I like all that stuff. But, you know, every once in a while, you know, I like a good a good movie or a good love story like that. It, it's always um, those movies and those books and those type of things are always so popular. Um, but one thing that I looked at and I was studying is the Bible really discusses some great, great love stories there. Obviously, we have the love story of just God in general, of how much he loved us and the things that he gave up for us. Um, but there's so many instances in the scripture where true love is always, it always prevails. And that's what we, that's what we like to see. You know, we like to see love prevail. You know, when we read a book or when we read a movie or when we watch a movie um, and we see the ups and the downs and really the how things look so impossible at one point, but then at one point, then they're so great. We like to see that in those type of stories. And so when I was studying the scripture, uh, I was looking at great love stories of the Bible. And that's what we want to discuss today. We want to look at some specific examples of some great love uh, stories from the scripture. Um, but before we get there, uh, another a couple positive quotes for the day. Um, this one, um, This one fits in perfectly, again, because we know Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Um, But this quote says this, be with with someone who wants to chase God with you. That's that's so important. And that that went into what we talked about a few weeks ago about the identity in Christ. Obviously, you know, you need to know who you are in Christ, but be with someone who wants to chase God with you. And once you have that, again, like we talked about in that podcast, you know, you'll become an, you know, an unstoppable force with that person. And then we'll look at this later um, from 1 Corinthians 13. Um, but again, love is patient. Love is kind. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And we're going to look at that in depth later, too. Um, but let's get into our text. And this is one love story. Um, that not a lot of people, we remember it, you know, we study it. Um, but when we look at it, we don't really realize what this man went through for this girl. Uh, let's go to Genesis. Let's start in the beginning here. Genesis chapter 29. If you have your Bibles with me, let's look at this. Genesis chapter 29. And here we have the account of obviously we know of Jacob and his brother Esau. And we know that Jacob, uh, he tricked his brother and his father that he was his brother. Uh, then after he tricked his brother, uh, obviously he ran away for fear of Esau killing him. And so then he went to his uncle uh, Laban's um, house and paid Aunt Aram. Uh, now when he's there, obviously he meets his two daughters. He meets uh, Rachel and he meets Leah. Um, but here in chapter 29, we have when Jacob... Uh, first met Rachel, and I want to start here in verse twenty nine. And and everyone 
who's ever been married or that's going to get married um, or that's been married for a long time. I have never not met a couple that didn't like to tell how they met. You know, they would say, well, I, I first saw her here. And then they'll all the guys will always say, you know, when I saw her, I knew it. You know, I knew she was the one. And then the ladies, they would always say, you know, I saw him and they would, uh, you know, say things about his characteristics. You know, I liked how he dressed. I liked how he uh, looked, you know, while he was preaching or while he was doing this. They love to tell how they met. And here in verse in chapter 29 of Genesis, uh, we have Jacob here first meeting Rachel. And let's read into our text here. Starting in verse number, what do we want to start? Uh, Let's start in verse 1, just so we can get some context here. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. And lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon that well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in the place. And Jacob said, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And they said, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said, Is it well? And he said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. So water the sheep and go out and feed them. And they said, We cannot until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone upon the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. Let's stop right there. You have Jacob here asking about when the sheep should be tended to and the cattle should be tended to. And all of a sudden, in verse 9, and then while he spake with them, then Rachel came, for she kept them. You know, guys love to see, uh, and they, they always remember what their wife was doing when they met her. You know, I saw her, she was in a restaurant. Oh, I saw her at a fellowship meal. Oh, I saw her when I walked into service one day. Or oh, I met her here in college or there. They will never, ever, ever forget the first time that they met their future wife. The, that's just something about us guys. Um, the first impression, we'll never forget that. And a lot of guys love to say that. And I could see Jacob, he could remember. I remember I was there and paid an Aram, and she was there. She was with the sheep. Now let's keep going. Verse 10. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went near. And he rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard uh, that he ran to meet him, and embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to the house. And Laban said, Surely you are my bone and flesh. Abide with me for a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, because thou art my brother, shouldst thou serve me for naught? Tell me what thy wages are. And Laban had two daughters. The elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Stop right there. Jacob remembers how much he loved Rachel. You know, I will serve seven years for her. I love her that much. 
That's a question that I would like to ask a lot of the guys. Obviously, I can't answer that question at this point in time in my life um, because I'm still a single guy. But um, that'd be an interesting question to ask a lot of the older married Christian couples. You know, would you be willing to serve for, put her name there, for seven years? She She's promised to you, but you have to wait for seven years. Can you imagine waiting for someone for seven years? Imagine the love that Jacob had to have for Rachel to be able to see her every single day. She can't be his yet, but every single day, see her for seven years. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people complain about two years of college. A lot of people complain about four years of high school. A lot of people complain about all these years of doing whatever. But can you imagine working for seven years for someone? Um, that's that's true love for someone. Now, let's keep going. If you go down to verse 19, and Laban said, Is it better that I give her to thee than I should give her to another man? So abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. But watch this. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love that he had for her. That's amazing. That that just shows how much love that he had for Rachel. Seven years meaning a couple days? I can't imagine. But that just shows that the scripture is is the scripture really is for true love. The scripture is for it. And when things are done the right way, the scripture loves to see that. There's great couples in, in, in the scripture, great couples working together. And God is for that. God is for great couples working together. Uh, but here, here's another important aspect, and we'll, we'll get into this later. Uh, but God wants things to be successful for both parties, for the, for the guy and his family. And for the girl and his family, they want things to be successful because when you become a unit, all of you become one and you all become become family. And so the Lord is for love. The Lord is for marriage. The Lord is for a single guy and a single woman to get together. Uh, let me rephrase that. God is for a faithful Christian man and a faithful Christian girl to come together. He's for that. And here, here you know, he sees them bringing them together. And Jacob served seven years, but they seemed to him for a few days because of the love that he had for her. I can't imagine uh, just serving for seven years for, for a certain person. Uh, I'm reminded of, of something that I saw a few years ago. And uh, there was a man that he, he was stranded on an island for years. Uh, he went off to war. Uh, and when he went off to war, uh, his plane crashed. And once his plane crashed, he was there since he was 16 years old. And this man now, uh, he was in his late 40s, early 50s, just been on this island this entire time. And uh, there was a crew that came and saved him, and he got back. And on the way back, he said he was so nervous. Um, and the, the crew were asking, well, why are you so nervous? You know, you've been saved, you know. And they said, and, you know, the guy that was on the island he said, I don't know if, if she'll still love me. And they said, who? Well, they said, well, you know, there's this girl that I loved before I went to war. Um, but now um, that I was on this island for years, she probably, you know, she probably thought I was dead. Uh, she probably thought something happened. I, 
I think she married someone else. I think she's, um, you know, happy with someone else. And so he was so nervous to come back home. And when he came back home, uh, he went to the door and he said, well, you know, since I'm over here, I'll give it a shot. You know, you never know. And so he knocked on the door and a, a young man answers the door. And the young man is around 16, 17 years old. And the young man just looks at him and he just embraces him. And he said, well, well, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. And the young man said, well, you're you're my dad. You know, you're my father. And then uh, he opens the door and the wife and the girl comes and hugs him and says, I've waited for you for so long. And one of the crew members said to another crew member, you just never know when it's true love. He said, you'll never know how long someone's willing to wait. And that that's really amazing. But can't. Just put yourself in Jacob's situation. He really loved her so much that no matter what happened, for seven years, he was willing to wait. He was willing to wait. And that that's I think that's an aspect of true love as well. Um, not saying that there's nothing wrong with getting married early. If you're ready, you're ready. Some people are just different. Um, but waiting, I think that's a part of love. You know, you think about Jacob and Rachel, they waited. They waited for so long. But then when they got together, you saw just the great things that happened when they got together. You know, waiting is a part of love. And once you wait, the Lord will be willing to give you so many things. I read something uh, just today, and it said this. Joseph waited, but he had to wait for 13 years. Abraham waited. But he had to wait 25 years. Moses waited. He had to wait 40 years. Jesus waited. Jesus had to wait 30 years. And so these weren't necessarily they were waiting for their wives. But in a sense, in their lives at that moment, they had to wait. And so it ends off by saying this. If God is making you wait, then you're in good company. Think about Joseph where he was, what happened to him. Now he's, he was second in command. Think about Abraham leaving his father and his mother to a place where God's going to show him. He has nowhere where he's going. All the ups and downs through Abraham's life. But then at the end, does he receive the promise that God said? Yes. Think about Moses. Moses waited for so long. He was going to be the leader of his people. He went off on his own with his, with his father-in-law. Then after that, he came back, he led his people, waited 40 years, and now Moses was leading, and Jesus as well. So if God is making you wait, then you're in good company, because Joseph, Abram, Moses, and, and Jesus, they're great men, and they waited, and God did some great things for them while they waited. And so for you guys, I know for, for Valentine's Day, Obviously, it's a it really is a a couple celebrated holiday. It really is. Um, but for you single guys out there, for you single girls out there, if you're still waiting and I'm talking to myself, too, you know, if you're still waiting, uh, don't look at it as as a negative. If you're still waiting, maybe God's making you wait. You're in good company. Just keep waiting. But while you're waiting. Keep working on yourself. Keep doing the right things. Keep developing. Keep keep growing. One thing I've learned um, 
especially in in my singleness, and I've learned from other people's singleness. One thing that I've learned is while you're single and while you're you're waiting, number one, get better. Do things physically better. Get your body right. Uh, get your mind right. Get your health right. Get your finances right. Uh, emotionally, in a sense, get right. There's a lot of ways physically you can get right. And then number two, well, it really should be number one, spiritually get right. You can you can always get better spiritually. You can always grow. And that's one thing I learned. Always never stay stay satisfied in where you are spiritually. I can always get this much better in this. I could get better in this. I can get better in that. And next thing you know, while you're working for the Lord and doing the right things, and while you're developing and when you're doing the right things, and a young lady or a young man's doing the same thing, don't you think providentially that the Lord can bring you guys together, it can happen. It really can. But again, like we talked about with love, the the lesson from Jacob and Rachel, love, it waits too. It's willing to wait. Love is not so, let's, let's get everything done in the moment. Love is willing to wait too. And when you wait, good things happen. And so that's, that's one account of, of Jacob and Rachel. Um, but, the second account I want to look at is one of my favorite prophets. I think he is my favorite prophet, Hosea. Let's go to the book of Hosea. And I never really studied this book. Even before I went to the school of preaching, I never really studied it. Um, obviously, there were there were prop, every you know biblical movie. Sometimes there are problems. There are agendas thrown in there. Uh, but one movie that really made me want to study this book. Uh, it's it's simply called the Book of Hosea, and just to see the great love story that number one that God had for His people and God continues to have for us today, but the love story that He created through Hosea and Gomer, it was amazing. But if you go to this book, Hosea, Hosea, right after Daniel, right after Daniel, if you start, let's start in verse number. Actually, let's start in verse 1 just to see the command, see what uh, what God makes Hosea do. Verse 2, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go and take thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. Can you imagine being Hosea? Just one day, you know, you're done prophesying. One day, the Lord comes to you and says, I want you to marry a, a, children, or a wife of whoredoms. Basically a harlot. Can you imagine God telling you to do that? I want you to go marry this harlot. And the scripture doesn't indicate. He may have. He may have. But the scripture does not indicate him bucking against what God wanted. And so verse verse 3. So he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Dibaim, which conceived and bare him a son. I want you to notice. We have. Here's a story. Here is the account. I'm sorry. We have Hosea and we have Gomer. They get together and they have a son. Now, let's keep reading. The Lord said, call his name Jezreel. For a little while, I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu and will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass on that day that I will break the vow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Now notice verse six. And she conceived again. Stop. It doesn't say like the first time she bare him a son. 
Here it says, and she conceived again. Saying that this is the first time that she cheated on him. Man, imagine being Hosea. Alright, I'm marrying her. You marry her. You have a son. You have a family. Happy family. Next thing you know, she's cheated on you. And she has a child with another man. I don't know what I would do. It's hard to say what you would do in the moment. But just think about it. What would you do if you were Hosea? She goes out and cheats. And how could you do this? You feel betrayed. You feel lonely. You feel not wanted. There there was a scene um, from that movie that I'll never forget. Um, Hosea was in his house and he was making pottery. And you know with pottery you have to be patient and things of that nature. But this pottery wheel looked terrible that he was making. And he was molding it and molding it. And he was waiting for his wife to come home. And it was so late. And he was waiting and waiting and waiting. And then he just threw it against the wall, just so angry she wasn't there. But then he looked under the bed and saw uh, some jewelry that he didn't give her. And so then that's when he realized she cheated on me again. But then he started to realize, God, now I know how you feel. When we don't follow your commands, that's how your heart feels when we fail against you. And that really brought it home for Hosea. God, I'm, I see what we are doing as a nation now. We are totally going away from what you want. And so this feeling of betrayal, this feeling of hurt, this feeling of really of desperation that I'm feeling right now because my wife cheated on me. This is how you feel 10 times when we do it to you. So Hosea, so God, in a sense, was living through Hosea. But look, let's keep reading. Verse seven, but I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and will save them. And God will not save them now, nor by sword, nor by battle, nor by horses, nor by horsemen. Then verse eight. Now, when she had weaned Laruhamah, the second child, she conceived and bear a son. Oh man. Think okay, the first time, okay, you could work it out. All right, you can get things right. Doing it twice, cheating against him twice. I can't I can imagine Hosea, I've done nothing but help you. I've done nothing but love you. I've done nothing but to do the right things towards you. Why do you keep cheating against me? Is it me? I can't imagine the, the inner conversation that Hosea was having with himself. But again, he can make the correlation. God, this is what, literally, this is what we're doing to you. We're cheating on you spiritually. This is what we're doing as a nation. And then for more application for us, this is what we do every time that we sin. And if we're in a covenant, notice, a covenant relationship with God, every time that we sin, we're cheating on him every single time. And and this bears the question. Are you grieving and am I, am I grieving the heart of God by what I'm doing, by what you're doing? You know, we can grieve his heart just like Gomer grieved Hosea's heart when we stand against him. We have to realize when we sin, we're not only hurting, hurting ourselves, we are hurting God. And I don't want to hurt him. I know I have before. I know I have. And If you're honest, you know you have too. 
But we have to continue to work on our relationship with him. And now let's keep reading here. And she bare him a son. And then his name was Loami. For you are not my people and I will not be your God. Now I want you to imagine. Let's start in verse in chapter three. (coughs) Imagine Gomer. Not home. Hosea is taking care of, of his child and the children that aren't his. All right. Imagine just that in general. Now imagine Gomer here in in chapter three. This is how uh, I've seen this chapter depicted. Gomer never came home and Gomer uh, was sold into slavery. And around the slave auction, uh, we see Gomer and she's being sold and no one would buy her. No one wanted her. People saw her as worthless. People saw her as uh, there's no good use for her. No one, no one wanted her. But here, in verse 2 of chapter 3, the Bible says, So I bought her for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and a half omer of barley. And this is, you know, in those movies, in those books, there's always a certain um, love quote or love scene that's always... Uh, brought up in a certain movie. Um, If the Bible was made into a movie, I would think verse 3 of chapter 3 would be one of those scenes. Can you imagine Hosea knowing she cheated on him twice, knowing she's being sold into slavery, knowing no one wants her, knowing what her job occupation is or was. And he says this, verse 3, And I said unto her, unto Gomer, thou shalt abide with me for many days, and thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I be for you. Man, can you imagine Gomer hearing those words? How can you love me? I cheated on you twice. You don't know if I'll do it again. How how could you love someone like me? And in a sense, Hosea was a type of Christ. Think about you and I. We were in the place of Gomer. God, how can you love us? Look at what we've done. Look at what, what we've done to you. Look at the sin we brought into this world. If we want to go farther, God, we killed your son. How could you love us? Why do you want us? But Christ and God was our Hosea first. And Christ er, and God said (laughs) to you and me, Christ said, put your name here, but I'll put my name here, but I want you to put yours here. Christ said this to us. Jordan, you should abide with me for many days. Jordan, no more would you play the harlot. And you will not be for another. And so, Jordan, I will also be for you. God bought me back when I've cheated on him. And when I sin to this day, if I repent, God is willing to bring me back too. And he's willing to do that for you too. You see, love here from the book of Hosea. Love always forgives. 
It always forgives. But not only does it always forgive. Number two, love always gives. And then also love always sacrifices. Those three lessons we can get from Hosea. Hosea always gave, 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 gave to her. Even even though she didn't give to him back, he always gave to her. God does the same thing to us. Hosea sacrificed over and over and over, even though she didn't for him. But did you see Hosea bringing it up? You see Hosea getting angry? That's what love does. Hosea was willing to do that. One of the most beautiful love stories in the scripture. And one last one last point. Let's go to our other text here. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. And obviously one of my favorite songs is from this, this chapter. Um, the Greatest Commands. I, I love singing that song. Um, but here in, in chapter 13. <clears throat> verses uh, 4 through 7 says, Charity suffers long and is kind. Charity envies not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doesn't behave itself unseemly and seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked and it thinks no evil. It rejoices not in, in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. And so, put Hosea there. You think that his love toward Gomer, it bared all things in the good and the bad? Yeah, it bared it. You think it believed all things? Yeah, because he always took her back. You think it hoped all things? It always did. They always got back. And did it endure all things? It endured everything. Love always does that. But here's here's um, here's a lesson. One person can't have it all. Both have to have it for it to work. One person can't bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. One person can't be patient. One person can't be kind. One person can't protect, trust, hope, and persevere. If the other person doesn't have those either, it's not going to work. You'll be like the scripture talks about. You'll be unequally yoked. One person, when things happen, they won't bring it up. But one person, when things happen, they'll constantly bring it up. Does love, does love tally wrongs against each other? Bible doesn't say it does. Well, love doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. So what if one person has all those great attributes, but then the other person, they're rude, they're envious, they're proud, they only worry about themselves, they keep records of wrongs. It's not going to work. Both have to have it. And that's why all those attributes that we study from Jacob and Rachel and Hosea and Gomer and from God and us, love always sacrifices on both sides, both parties. Love always gives. Both parties always give. It's not one giving more and the other giving more. Both parties give. Love always perseveres. Both sides. 
Love is always kind and patient on both sides. And we can go on and on and on. But that's what love does. And the person that showed me how to do it first and that gave me something to aim for so that Lord willing, if the Lord blesses me with a wife, I'll know how to take care of her that way because God showed me how to do it first. And hopefully she'll be able to love me that way because God showed her how to do it first. And so imagine two people that know and follow after the pattern of love from God. Then those two people get together. That's a force. A force for awesome, amazing, great good for God and his people. But this doesn't just happen overnight. Each person has to work on it. And once you work on it and get it together, things always work out. And so that's what love always does. I like studying about that today. Uh, that was a great study for me. Obviously, I, w- I want to do a special one because we know Valentine's Day is tomorrow. Um, so again, happy Valentine's Day. Um, again, you know, this is celebrated once a year in America, but um, every day we should really show this type of love, not only to our spouse, not only to our family, but to the brethren. This is how we should show our love to each other. And all of us can get better and all of us can work on it and all of us can get better and all of us can do the best that we can. And so thank you all for listening uh, and we'll see you all in the next podcast. Thank you.